With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. This podcast is produced in part by podfly.net. Podfly, fashion for great sounding podcasts. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. On this show, I love to interview cool entrepreneurs who are doing cool things in their life and their business. And today, that is exactly what we're going to do, because today we have with us my friend, Sarah Kennedy. Sarah is a leadership expert, career strategist, speaker, and the author of the popular business book, You, According to Them, Uncovering the Blind Spots that Impact Your Reputation and Career. Specifically, she is known for her ability to help high potentials identify the elusive blind spots that are preventing them from taking their careers and their companies to the next level. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's been a long time since I've been referred to as cool. Uh, <laughs> my kids will get a kick out of that one. That's right. Get the kids on, on the podcast and tell, <laughs> tell them to listen. Put headphones on them and say, look, mom is on a show called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I love it. So tell the audience a little bit more about your business. You know, I read these bios, especially when it's people I know and it's like, oh, and they're the leading expert in blah, blah, blah. But really, yes. what is it that you do day to day? You know, I, I consider my business a boutique leadership consulting business. Um, whether that means that I'm within uh, you know, a company and I'm helping them figure out how to bring in leadership development when they don't have a full-fledged training department, whether I'm at an association conference and talking about leadership at the next level, or whether I'm you know, coaching somebody individually, a emerging leader, a high potential, or an executive. So I, I, get to, I get to spend my days doing very diverse things, but all around the same topic of of leadership and career trajectory. So you didn't start off like right out of college working for yourself. You had some big, <laughs> you had some big time corporate jobs in corporate America doing doing training and other stuff for some major corporations. So tell us about that and sort of what led you to making that transition. Sure, I think. It was exactly my experience in corporate that led me to this transition. Um, I went to a university um, right here in our backyard, University of Texas, and I bring that up because it was 56,000 students when I went to school there. And then I went to work for a company, uh, USAA in San Antonio, and at the time it was um, about 8,000 big, and the building was uh, the building there is is larger than the Pentagon. And my point being is I was either a social security number or an employee ID number. And I learned very quickly that um, all things being equal, there had to be ways for me to get noticed, to get ahead, to stay competitive and to differentiate. So what led you then from leaving, from working in corporate America to leaving to do your own thing? Well, you know, that one is, is actually um, quite personal, but one that I feel comfortable sharing. Um, I reached a point in my career, I was a, a VP of operations and um, ready to start a family at the same time. 
And it, it looked like that wasn't going to be in the cards for, for my husband and I. And as a result, it made me really reflect on the purpose of you know my work, um, whether or not it was is fulfilling to the extent that I needed it to be, and I, I figured you know if, if I can't have kids, I, I want to go do something that is really fulfilling. And frankly, at that point, giving executive reviews and writing reports, um, it just it, that wasn't the answer. And so I began to explore other ways that I could be um, more impactful and be more fulfilled, frankly. And then you did have two kids. Ah, yes. <laughs> Surprise. So I, I, right. I left corporate um, to start my own business in this area. And lo and behold, uh, not five months after I left corporate, um, I was able, I got pregnant. So um, it's funny how things turned out. And I was able to to ramp my business um, slowly by design while being a new mom. So I had the best of both worlds. So do you think you would have taken that leap if you had gotten pregnant first? Do you think you would have said, oh, I'm going to go off and start my own business while I'm starting this family? You know what? I don't think I would have. I've, I've never had anybody ask me that. And I, I just realized I, I don't think I would have. Um, so, you know, again, it, it's amazing how things, uh, cornerstones in your life take you in new paths and, and ones that you, you may not have expected. Well, things happen, things happen for a reason. So right. you, you, you took the leap and all of a sudden you have a new business and a new family. Yes. So what was the hardest part of juggling both of those in the early days? Oh, uh, guilt is the first word that comes to my mind. Um, guilt over either not spending enough time building the business or guilt over uh, trying to arrange to make time to build the business and therefore, you know, be away from my kids. So, especially when they're very little. Um, But I also, you know, I had to work through that because I, you know, talk about fulfilling. What I learned is what's fulfilling for me is to have both, is to have a family and to also be able to grow and learn and uh, be be in the working world. So this was a while ago. I mean, I know your children, so I know this yes. had to be 14 years ago that you took this leap. And yes. so now, you know, you're almost a decade and a half into it. What do you absolutely love about the life of an entrepreneur? Oh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say anything here that's probably new, but the, the first thing is the flexibility. By far, that is um, what I really love about it. And as you've heard from other entrepreneurs, I'm, I'm sure that they probably work more hours than they did when they were in corporate, which is true, but at least the hours you work are yours, right? So I can uh, get up, work for a few hours, go for a run at 10.30 in the morning, come back, get right back to my work. In fact, I don't even have to shower if I don't want to. Um, we, we, let all so, the sec- we let all the secrets out on the show. We let all the secrets out. <laughs> so, yeah, the flexibility, um, I think the, the ability to be creative, um, you know, I worked in the banking and insurance field. You know, there is some room for creativity, but so much is regulated, so much has already been written uh, in terms of rules and guidelines and um, – you know, what's great about entrepreneurship is there is no book. You're writing it as you go every day. There are no rules or guidelines. So you, you talk about the fact that, you know, you do work more hours, but at the same time you have sort of that control. That was one of the things I found is I travel a lot as a speaker. And somebody said one time, oh, Tom has gone so much. And, and my wife said, well, yes, but when he's home, 
he's home. And and when my old my youngest, who is the age of your oldest, was in uh, before she was in middle school, when she was in elementary school, we lived just far enough away that it was too far to walk to school but just close enough that there was no bus, which meant that she had to be driven to school every day. And when we looked back at the years before I worked for myself to the years after I worked for myself, yeah, I traveled a lot, but I probably drove her to school 60, 70% of the time because when I was home, I was home and I could schedule to, you know, help my wife around the house, which meant, you know, picking up, you know, some of the duties she had to do when I was on the road. And that meant driving to school. And when I looked at the amount that I drove, it was, it was often that I drove and or that I picked up. And, you know, so people say, well, you travel a lot. Yeah. But when you work in corporate America, I had to leave before the kids went to school because, sure. I had, you know, I mean, we live in the city with the forced, fourth worst traffic in America. Sure. I, had to get, I had to get out of the house before seven o'clock or I would never get to the office. So right. I would be gone before seven. And oftentimes I had to go to networking events or I was in sales and marketing, which meant entertaining clients. So I would go to a dinner a couple days a week. So even though I wasn't away, I wasn't home and I was gone all day. And that's, that's right. And working for myself, you know, when I'm gone, I'm gone. But when I'm home, I'm kind of home, so it does give you that type of flexibility. Right. So, Sarah, oh, yeah. so you talk about what you love about being an entrepreneur, but come on. Are there days when you think, oh, <laughs> I wish I still worked for USAA? Uh, Be honest. So, yeah, the, the, I think the pitfalls, is, is, as you might call them, or the cons uh, would be the unpredictable uh, rate at which – uh, your work comes in, right? And and so there can be weeks where you are swamped, uh, deliverables one on top of the other, travel, speaking engagements, and things are just humming along and then you have an abrupt halt. And, uh, you know, you might have a, a week, you know, or three days where there's, there's not necessarily a deliverable. Of course, we're always in development mode. But yeah, I think that's the biggest for me because I'm a planner, and I'm extremely systematic in, in the way I look at my business. And so the predictable nature or the unpredictable nature of how the business comes in is probably the thing that drives me the most crazy, without a doubt. So I talk to a lot of people who tell me, you know, I like this, I don't like that, but they, they, they sort of use the term that they're now unemployable because they've worked for themselves for 10 or 14 years. Do you think you could ever go back to corporate America? Well, it's funny, um, now that you mentioned that from, I'm, I'm seeing that question from two different perspectives in terms of whether I could do it and would want to do it, right? Um, probably not. Do I think I'm employable? I do. And that's because many of my clients are corporate and I have purposely done a lot to stay very relevant and and to be in tune with what is happening within companies today. So um, I I don't know that I'd have a hard time transitioning from that perspective, but it sure would take getting used to uh, a more rigid, uh, confined schedule. No 10.30 in the morning runs. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> well, I find it interesting because I, I always say when people say, oh, I've been working for myself, I, you know, I'm not employable. I chuckle because I like what I do and I hope I get to do it forever. But I actually think if I ever chose to go to work for a company or an association, I actually think I would be the best employee ever. 
right. because of the yeah, things yeah. I learned. You know, absolutely. you talk about the unpredictability of the work, you know, that translates in our world to the unpredictability of the money. And, right. you know, I think I would like hug my boss if they gave me a regular sure. paycheck. You know, every time I left the office, I think I'd be like, thank you. Thank you for dealing with the insurance and the accounting and, you know, every, <laughs> everything else that you have to deal with when you work for yourself. Yes, Yes, absolutely. So I'm I'm not out there I I, I'm not out there hoping that I go to work for anybody right. else. But but I do believe I'd be a darn good employee. In fact, I think I was a good employee. I think now I would be a great employee because I appreciate the sides I never saw before. That is true. So that Sarah, what advice true. if someone's listening and they're thinking, oh, that freedom to be able to you know uh, go, you know go to the kids play in the afternoon or or drive carpool or whatever it is, and they're listening, going, yeah, I want what she has. What advice do you have for somebody who wants to take that transition from corporate to entrepreneur? My advice is start your plan B. Uh, I, I'm not an advocate personally of jumping jumping off completely, um, and it, that's very difficult unless you know somebody is sitting on a large savings account or just won the lottery. My suggestion would be to start slowly and to be very deliberate about taking on maybe a consulting role that you can do in addition to your day job um, or, you know, uh, freelancing uh, if you've got some sort of a skill or talent or, or, you know, if you're in design, if you can do some freelance work, build enough clientele or get a consulting project that could lead to bigger and better things for you before you take the leap, um, you know, without any net, so to speak. That's always my first advice. Is that what you did? That's just, that is close to what I did. Um, I had been uh, planning uh, my departure for months, and I did do some training. Um, I, I was trained and certified in some instruments. Um, I did some other training. I did some you know planning of my business all while I was employed, and I was committed. I, I wasn't doing it on the employer's clock. I did it after hours. Um, and then, you know, back then, this was 12 years ago, I had comp time. They used to pay you comp time. They don't do that anymore. But when you worked a lot of overtime, you, you build up your hours. I had built up so many hours at that company that I also knew that that was a little bit of a cushion for me. Um, may, have, may have been a month's worth of pay, maybe more. But nevertheless, for me, that felt more comfortable and it felt like a uh, smoother transition than just taking the leap. So did you have any mentors along the way as you transitioned into your own business? You know, I, I, I did. I, I had, my, my father actually is a, has his own business. It's, it's not, I wouldn't call him an entrepreneur as much. He's uh, by trade, he's a architectural engineer. He has an engineering firm. But I watched him somewhat, you know, growing up and, and how he conducted himself and how he grew his business. Um, so he would probably be one of my first uh, mentors, although I don't know that I ever went to him specifically and said, you know, help me build my business. Um, I may have had a question for him here or there. And then other people who had taken the leap. I'm very big on um, finding out who your peeps are. So immediately looked for people who were doing something similar uh, to what I was doing and, and finding out what worked, what didn't. Um, so not necessarily one person. 
Well, and that's something that, you know, I when you and I first met, you know, you were instrumental in reestablishing the local chapter in, in Austin for the National Speakers Association because the, the one that had been there had sort of dwindled away and you wanted to make sure that there was a venue where you could get around people who had similar type lives. And, you know, I think that that was really smart. And I always tell people, you know, if you don't have a group that really meets that needs of sort of your, your peeps, as you called it, you know, your, your people, form your own. Or if there's not a chapter of your industry trade association in your community, call them and find out what it takes to start your own because that's what you did. And you essentially helped create an entire peer group for, you know, probably several dozen people in Austin who make their living as speakers and trainers that wouldn't have existed otherwise. Yeah, and and again, I wish I wish I could tell you it was completely altruistic on my part, but it was it was actually more selfish. I, I wanted a place to share best practices. I, I wanted a, a venue to bring in other um, folks who had made it and could share their knowledge and their uh, wins with those of us who were starting up. So yeah, I I agree. I, I would I would promote the same concept. Well and I talk to people all the time who say, Oh, I don't I don't go to my trade association because I don't want to be around my competitors and it's like, hmm. what are you talking about? I mean that's where I get the, the best information is, you know, from people who are living the life that I'm aspiring to live. And so I think that, you know, forming your own group if there's not one is, is fabulous advice. And you're right, you know, it doesn't have to be altruistic. I mean, there is that element of, hey, I want this because it'll make my career better. And the accidental piece is it helped make so many other people's careers better. So thank thank you for doing that because it's a big part. Sure. So I've got more questions for you, Sarah. But first, I've got to thank my sponsor. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Sarah Canaday. So for an exclusive (laughs) offer to those who listen to cool things entrepreneurs do, jump on over to podfly.net slash cool things. Every episode I say I'm grateful that I found them because I never would have been able to start this show because I was petrified of the technical side of trying to figure out how to become a sound engineer and do the little nits and edits that have to be done. And the Podfly people came around like a fairy godmother and made the show a reality. And I'm really appreciative. And I'm even more appreciative that they're now a sponsor of this show. So Sarah, what's something new and exciting? What's something cool that you're doing in your business right now? Well, I think that the thing that comes to mind for me is this um, a new platform that I have. It's um, a virtual training platform, and it is host to the best of what I offer to my corporate clients face-to-face um, and also my executive coaching clients. So I've taken the best of those um, experiences and combined them for an online experience that's called the Career Acceleration Academy. And it uh, even includes a brand 360 survey platform that I had built uh, specifically uh, for this platform as well. So people can get real-time specific feedback on how others receive and perceive them. So can you explain what 360 feedback is? Because I I know what it is, but I don't know that everybody would. Sure. So, you know, 360 feedback essentially means that you can uh, gather information uh, around some specific either skill sets or attributes um, 
either they be by choice, word choice, or open-ended from a select group of colleagues, clients, peers, uh, bosses, and those that report to you. So you get a full perspective as if you're center stage on how others see and experience you. So tell us more about this platform. What's it called again? It is called the Career Acceleration Academy. And and where is it located online? How do people find it? They can go to my website, uh, www.sarahcanaday.com. And Canaday is just like Canada, but with a Y at the end. (laughs) And if they go to my uh, products and services page, there's a drop-down menu that says online training. And it is a platform that has five different modules. So it is a series of of very short but uh, robust modules. There uh, are online exercises. Um, There are some audits. So you take a career audit both before and after you complete the actual uh, uh, training course. So you can see if you've made progress and movement. And it just so happens that I'm relaunching the course this month at a uh, discounted rate, and it's significantly discounted. So you can buy the course, the five course series, without coaching, but it still comes with the Brand 360 survey. It still comes with a templated action plan, a sample action plan, and a community call with me. And or you can buy the course with all those things and a one-hour coaching call with me. Uh, regardless of which you purchase, the special this month is $200 off. So the coupon code for that is EP001. So I'm really excited about this because I have to say that I resisted for some time this idea of a online um, platform um, because I'm very committed to adding value and I didn't want to put something up that was just, uh, you know, not necessarily a value, but, you know, I would have a product per se until I found this platform because this platform is all about consuming the material, making sure that people are engaged in the material and that they're getting value out of it. And um, I get to stay sort of connected to them while they're enrolled in the process. I love the fact that you didn't want to do it unless you were really providing value. I think there's a lot of products out there that are these online courses where it's just, how do I separate people from their money? And I know as you were creating the course and as you're relaunching it, that actually providing value was important. And I had a guest on the show uh, several weeks ago named Robert Bradford, and he always talks about the fact that, you know, don't be fluffy bunny. When you're, you know, providing something to clients, you want to provide value. And I just love that because you don't want to be a fluffy bunny speaker. And I know for a fact that you were not fluffy bunny when you designed this. No, no, I, I put a lot of time and energy into this. And again, I wanted, I wanted it to be as good as a face-to-face course or um, coaching client that I had face-to-face. So I, I really I did, did put thought into this. So it's called the Career Acceleration Academy. They can find it at sarahcanaday.com. And Correct. if they do it soon, in the month of June, it is $200 off whichever way you purchase it, with or without the live coaching. Right. And, and the code, could you please say that code one more time? Certainly. E as in Echo, P as in Papa, 001. And I assume that if anybody can't 
Remember to write down the code. All they have to do is go to Sarah at SarahCanaday.com and send you an email, and you'll send them the code. That's exactly right. So just e- to. just email her and say, I didn't want to rewind. I can't find the code. <laughs> exactly. You know, Tom doesn't do extensive show notes, so there's no way for me to find the code. Blame Tom and just right. ask her for the code, and, and she'll tell you. Certainly. So that is, that is absolutely fantastic. So Sarah, if someone was listening and they want to find out more about you, I assume they go to sarahcanaday.com? That's correct. They can find uh, more out about uh, sort of my focused areas and um, you know what companies I've uh, worked with or associations and uh, sort of some of my thoughts. I've got a blog that I keep current, so uh, articles on leadership and career development. So before I let you go, I want to talk a little bit about your book. You According to Them. I love the title because we all think we know ourselves, but really in business, what really matters is the perception others have of you. So tell us a little bit about your book. Again, my, uh, my intent here was I really wanted a way for leaders, emerging leaders, um, to figure out how, that they, how they could find out themselves, how they might be perceived, or what might be standing in their way, or what might be, in some cases, sabotaging their success. And not everybody, as you know, can avail themselves of a coach. Um, I think it, it is becoming more prevalent, but you know that should not keep a professional who is action-oriented, success-oriented, from moving forward from taking action and and closing gaps between how they intend others to receive them versus how they actually do. So what I did in this book is I chronicled what I've considered some of the most common blind spots that people have in the workplace. And these aren't the obvious, you know, the, the, the blowhard that likes to hear themselves speak, the loose cannon, those to me are more obvious. These are more subtle factors um, that come from very well-intentioned, well-meaning individuals who are very sharp, but they have these perhaps subtle nuances that are keeping them from being their best. And I chronicled some of those blind spots and depicted them in a way so people might see themselves or see people they work with or see somebody that they lead. And then at the end of each chapter, there's a, an, an action plan, a way to help close the gap in that particular blind spot so that, again, people can do this for themselves. They don't necessarily have to avail themselves of a career coach. Well, and the subtitle of the book is Uncovering the Blind Spots that Impact Your Reputation and Career. And for people who've been listening to the show lately, the topic of reinvention and leveling up Mm. keeps coming up both in the interviews and in some of the conversations that I've just had about, you know, especially because like I'm Generation X and right now Generation X is in the process of turning 40 on the young end and 50 on the on the high end. And along with that, you know, our media only pays attention to the baby boomers and Generation Y. And there's all these people in the middle who are going, well, what's next? How do I level up? Or how do I totally reinvent? And I think what you teach about being able to identify your blind spots is so important because if our only perception is what we think of ourselves, you know, we can be marching down the wrong paths to reinvent and relaunch ourselves all day long. Right. So I think your book is really important for anybody who feels like, hey, how do I level up? 
you know, the first thing I think you have to do is be honest with, you know, what's really going on. So I, I applaud you for that. I think it's a very good resource for people. Thank you. Thank you. So, Sarah, thank you very much for being a guest on Cool Things oh, Entrepreneurs uh, Do. My pleasure. And thank you to everybody for listening. We'll be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Sarah Canaday. So you can play that part for your kids, Sarah. You can just thank you. put it on. <laughs> I'll play it, it over and over again. You, you can clip it out of the audio and make it your ringtone. Okay, you know, Tune in next week for somebody just as cool as Sarah Canaday. Every time the phone rings, the kids will be like, oh, mom. So, so everybody, tune in soon. We'll be back in just a couple of days. In the meantime, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.